My name is Jasper Sebastian. I'm a student at the University of Twente and currently project coordinator of Design Lab. I am Nafel Kusi, an Interaction Technology Master student in the University of Twente and Dream Teamer for Design Lab. And we welcome you to the Design Lab Room. This series gives you a look behind the scenes of Design Lab initiatives while exploring the experiences of the people who led them. So grab your drink of choice and let's dive in. Hello and welcome to The Brew. In our first episode, closed until further notice due to the pandemic, what's next? We're joined by Nicole and Chetna, who will talk to us about their experiences handling the coronavirus crisis in Design Lab's own social distancing task force. Ladies, welcome. Nicole, why don't you start telling us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm Nicole. I do first-line support. I'm a project leader of operations at the Design Lab. Um, yeah, I'm originally from the US and I've been living in the Netherlands for about um, six years now. And Chetna, please introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Chetna. I'm an interaction technology student at the university. I've been part of the Dream Team for around two and a half years now, maybe a little bit more, around two and a half years, I think. And from February 2020 to February 2021, I was also the Dream Team coordinator, which is why I was part of the Social Distancing Task Force. Great. Thanks a lot for the introduction. And since we're going through this one-year journey with you, let's take things from the beginning. It is the end of March 2020, and... COVID has been declared a pandemic, all hell breaks loose. Walk us through what happened in Design Lab that day. Well, it was supposed to be the open days, the master open days. And I know that we were setting up and, well, I had a doctor's appointment in the afternoon and I thought it would be okay to step out for an hour. <laughs> But instead, I was getting called every five minutes while I was trying to get my jaw fixed, <laughs> asking what should happen, what should we do, uh, what's going on. Yeah, it was a lot of uh, uncertainty slash chaos, for sure, since the university waited till the last minute to decide whether or not we were closing or not. Um, yeah, I think that was the, that's what I really remember very vividly of, yeah, I think it would have been March 13th or 14th last year. <laughs> I think it was... Yeah, it was like on a Friday or something like that towards the end. So it was like, that's why the open days were happening as well. And really, it was so much confusion. There was just so many contradictory messages on Slack because no one really knew if we were shutting or not. And no one knew if there was like the exception for the open days because the open days hadn't actually said anything about whether the open days themselves would continue. So we were really in a state of complete confusion And we, uh, like we always have, we have people working on shifts. So people didn't know if they needed to go in for shifts or not. They didn't know who to ask for information. And we couldn't just have a lot of people showing up outside Design Lab and then not being able to go inside or do anything. So it was really quite a chaotic time. What strikes us quite interesting is that the Netherlands in the beginning of the pandemic was quite relaxed with its rules. How did that play into how Design Lab reacted to the whole situation? I mean, I think fundamentally Design Lab goes off what the university is saying. So it was also like difficult to comprehend how serious the university was being because of how lax the Netherlands had been by then, I, till then, I think. 
So it was just a lot of, is it for real? Do we actually have to go home? Is this also happening here? We don't know. So, and yeah, so we were really waiting for communication from the university and seeing if they'd made a decision on whether, how seriously we were taking this as a whole. It is also worth noting that Design Lab itself is quite unique uh, in the sense that it's not exactly owned by the university. To my understanding, it is rented from a private entity. How did that have to play into the rules and regulations you had to put in place in the beginning? Well, I think with the first part of the pandemic, everything was closed. But when we started thinking about reopening for September, that Design Lab kind of went above and beyond that we did set up this social distancing team then to make sure that all of our bases were covered, basically, that, you know, we have a walking route because we do have such a big open space, which is unlike the rest of the buildings, if you walk through the university, that it's very sort of, yeah, you have to go up the stairs, you have to go through this hallway if you want to get to this room, as opposed to the design lab where it's like a free-for-all in a good way. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we were just thinking about, like, you know, when and if we do reopen, how can we just make it as safe as possible? Because, yeah, if you go to a lot of other buildings that are open, say like a public building or, you know, if you go to a government building that they have to have the walking routes or they should have a walking route because it's just a big open space. You kind of just want to make sure that the people are directed in the right way. And how we used to know Design Lab with, you know, any number of people coming in at any point, you just want to make sure that you're giving them the most information so they can remain the safest as they're going through the space. And I think like everyone in the dream team and the organization or operational team at Design Lab feels a lot of ownership for the space because of the structure of the whole situation where we're like slightly autonomous and we make a lot of decisions for ourselves that maybe don't directly coincide with what everyone or every building in the university is doing. So we have that a little more agency, I feel. And so we also feel a lot more ownership towards the space and everyone who comes in there because it really feels like we are taking that call for them and for everything. And so that, I guess, was also like the unique nature of it because the building takes calls at some level, university takes calls at some calls at some level, but Design Lab has always sort of taken calls for itself. So in this difficult situation, it was also like balancing that of what call did we want to take based on the advice or decisions that both these bigger bodies were making and what did we think was best for Design Lab and how we wanted the space to be and the experience we wanted everyone who entered the space in this time to be? Oh, it seems like there was a lot of pressure on the operational team to take action. How long was this initial um, waiting period where everything was closed? Honestly, I don't think the waiting period was too long. Like, it was maybe a week or two maximum where we were just, like, taking a little bit of downtime to, like, re- regroup. Like, how do we start approaching this again? But I think even though from the beginning we were hoping things would be temporary, that was, like, a real attack plan of, like, these are all the things we got to get started immediately to make sure even in these three weeks we don't lose anyone, you know? <laughs> we don't lose any traction. We don't lose any momentum. We don't lose any people. We just want to make sure that people are not stressed and they feel consistently involved in some way and just kind of reassure everybody that this is still like whatever in this time of crisis we aren't abandoning you just because the space is closed so there was definitely a push to try and make that happen pretty early on I don't think we like left it for months or anything before coming back to that conversation yeah and I also think because it was also you know 
kind of the advice at that time from the government that it was just, we're going to close down for a few weeks. So it's like, no need to panic. It's just for, you know, maybe a few weeks. We'll let, we'll get the numbers down and then we'll reopen again. And, you know, there's no solution, but this is what's going to happen for the moment. So th I feel like the first time you sort of felt like, okay, it's just a few weeks. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> and here we are one year <laughs> <Yeah>. later. <laughs> doing this entire podcast yeah. online. A little bit, though, like at that point, even though the Netherlands and the university and everyone was kind of acting like things will open soon, you could kind of see in the world that COVID as a concept was quite real. So even with that, like the idea of having projects to do with corona, that had already a little bit begun because they already needed technology in hospitals in Italy and things like that. So there was a general energy of this is yeah. a big thing that we can think about and like try and develop solutions for and work towards. Obviously not as big as it ended up being, but I think the general assumption was even if we open up, we can definitely like focus on this thing that's happening now. Oh, that's very interesting. Were there any projects at Running Design Lab at that time that had to do with the pandemic? Well, I know Eric worked on a, a few things where he had the the piece for the masks for breathing. And then he also made the clips for the masks, for the face masks that we delivered to the hospital uh, in Enskede. Um, so, yeah, that was just an effort that we had 3D printers and we could make these things. We tried to start up some other projects with Dream Teamers as well to kind of give people the chance to work on these projects. And we had a brainstorm with Dream Teamers and... We had a few pillars of things we wanted to look into. A few of the projects did materialize, but it was also kind of a different, difficult time for everybody. And also, like, the dynamic nature of the whole situation meant it was really hard to do projects or research because things were really constantly changing. Because some of the... One of the projects that did finally end up happening was very data-based, and you kind of, like, needed the data, and you needed information, and you needed to know what you were looking for, so... But yeah, those things that happened, that was actually quite an interesting project. The results are also quite interesting. For those who are wondering what project she's referring, it's a project regarding the uh, spreadability. Is that the right word? Or the contagiousness? Yeah, I think it's contagiousness. The contagiousness of, uh, of the virus, depending on different factors. And they were trying to create a sort of model that can be used to foresee how many cases there will be in the close future. When did the space open up for business again after the the end of March? September, I think, properly, like for the module. But I mean, people, we had people coming to Design Lab in the sense of like Dream Team was if they needed to. And there was like a little bit more flexibility in summer, I think. I don't fully remember. But I think we properly opened up when university opened up again. And also the recruitment happened with the doors closed. Um, and I think it touches me a little bit personally because I remember you, Chetna, communicating with us and, and I remember a distinct sense of calm from these messages being like, uh, it's okay, we know what we're doing, we're going to wait for a couple of months. It really felt like there was a plan, <laughs> which I really appreciated because for a lot of us, having an employment while studying is very important. And it felt like Design Lab wanted us to be there. It felt like it was offering us this opportunity despite the situation um, that we are in. But from your side, how did recruitment go? Like, I think the first part of the recruitment when we did the interviews was still in that early period of 
maybe we'll open up soon, which is also why we went through with them, even though it was online, just kind of like, let's make sure we get this done. We meet everyone, at least have the base basis covered. And that was good. We had really good interviews. But then when we got to like the speed dates, the speed dates are like a pretty important part of the process because of the energy of the whole event like it's always really nice and you have a really like casual atmosphere because a lot of people are waiting for that turn and they get to talk so in the time when we thought that we would still open up potentially we really wanted to keep the possibility of a physical speed dates event because we kept thinking okay in a month we might open and should we schedule it but we also didn't want to jump the gun and give you guys too much like contradictory inf- contradictory information and kind of have like, oh, this month, and then maybe next month, and keep switching it. And we also didn't really have the time to figure out how we wanted to do the speed date. And the main thing that we didn't, for what, the main reason why we postponed the speed dates and finishing the recruitment is we didn't want to hire you guys, and then you not have anything to do. Like, we didn't want to hire you and then have a gap of a period. We wanted to make sure that when you were hired, you could immediately start doing things without anything standing in the way. So that's also why we kept like reassuring you and being like, we haven't forgotten. We have all the CVs. We have everyone's information. We'll let you know as soon as we can do this. And we'll let you know as soon as you can start working. <laughs> so it was it was difficult, but it was also really nice to see that almost everyone who applied and got the thing showed up at the speed dates like six months later without an issue. They were all there. As the current project coordinator, we are also hiring at this, car- well, we have just hired the new batch of Dream Teamers, and we're facing the exact same issue. We've got people messaging us on a weekly basis like, hey, is everything okay? Have I missed an email? And we're like, no, no, you haven't. We're just, we're really trying to figure out how we can make this online. But being a Dream Teamer, so much of this student-driven aspect is really just, our, our job is physical. It's it's there. It's to work with our hands. It's to interact with one another. We are a community in its essence. So, uh, yeah, online makes everything a bit harder. And with this beat, we can move to the next time period, which is the summer itself. And in my mind, that's usually where the university is closed. Everybody's gone home. Everybody's on holiday. But it seems like this year for you, that was a bit different. Would you mind to elaborate? I think by then there was already, like, you could sort of tell that things were opening up because things were quite peaceful here in the summer. A lot of stuff was happening. People were outside, people were in groups. So there was definitely that general idea that university would be sort of open again. And so we knew that when that time came, we couldn't just open. (laughs) And so prepping for that was definitely like a challenge because you're starting from basically nowhere of like what does this mean (laughs) what do we want to do how are we going to do it who will we let in who needs to be here when are there lectures how many people will be there for a lecture which lectures need to be here like once it doesn't seem that big I think and then once you start thinking about it it just kept like growing in size the task at hand yeah and especially if you thought about how design lab looked in the months before covid and everything I mean then it's really it's a lot of students that could potentially be walking through that door at any moment and you just want to make sure that they're safe right (laughs) like that was the biggest thing that you're just like if we have the same numbers as we did pre-covid then we really have to think about how they're going to be going through this space and like face masks weren't even a thing in the netherlands so we didn't even have that level of assurance that oh at least the people will be wearing masks and like 
be thinking about COVID because at that point, because summer was so free, no one was thinking about it even. So it was like, how do you remind people <laughs> that we are kind of still in a pandemic <laughs> and that we are indoors and all these things. So take note of it. This is also the first time that the Social Distancing Task Force is being formed in Design Lab. How did you tackle this reopening more practically as a team? Well, we had like roles in the Social Distancing Task Force. So it was both of us and Miriam, Eric and Anka. And we each had like a thing that was our responsibility. So Eric was in charge of making sure we had sanitizer and everything that we needed to keep the space disinfected. And my thing was signage, and Anka was doing communication, and Nicole was doing walking routes, or so, uh, social distancing, basically. Yeah, distancing in so. general, just not even social distancing, just distancing in general. <laughs> just keeping everyone <laughs> apart. <laughs> hey, you stay away. And that's kind of how we started, like, trying to tackle it, but obviously none of these things are away from each other, so it was a lot of, you had to work together consistently, which is why we had almost daily meetings in the beginning, And it was really overwhelming because I didn't even know what we'd talk about, but there would always be something new <laughs> in each meeting. And I was like, how are we still doing this? And a lot of the other coordinators were on holiday in the middle and we didn't have a lot of coordinator meetings. But then once in a while we'd have a coordinator meeting and I'd be I'd like, I've been in meetings every day for the past two weeks and I still don't know how we're going to open, but I'll tell you soon, it'll happen. It's going to happen. Oh my God, that sounds like a really stressful summer. Thanks a lot for going through these. It's also that all the rules kept changing, right? I mean, that's that's the thing as well, that it went from, you know, slowly reopening up, that it could be 30 people in a room, and then it could be 50 people in a room, then it could be 100 people in a room. And then for education, it was completely different rules, actually. So just kidding about what we said before. But if you're having an event, and education that's or if you're having an event then you have to follow these rules if you're doing education you have to follow these rules so that also splits what we do because we have events and we have education at the design lab which is a really interesting point it makes me think what is design lab it feels like it is a cross between a library an event venue a laboratory and a workshop and a classroom oh and a classroom yeah it's It's a little bit of everything. It's a fuzzy front end of innovation. So whatever that means for what, whoever, that you can just come and yeah, have a yeah, the creative sort of uh, start here. <laughs> and we have sort of the means to help that. Nice approach. And so a lot of things change in Design Lab during the summer. The shift chains, the floor plan is created by Enrico. You are full speed over planning, over preparing for September, for the opening. And September comes. Did you feel prepared? Yes and no. Because we felt like we'd covered bases, but there was really no way to know how it was going to go. Because we couldn't even do like soft runs of the things we'd planned. Yeah. Plus we had to brief so many dream teamers who all don't actively use Slack sometimes and get them on shift, make sure they know the protocol, make sure they're following it, make sure they tell everyone the protocol. So it was like Chinese whispers of information of how we wanted things to go, which was kind of stressful. And also a lot of students maybe didn't expect it to be as 
strict in design lab because it wasn't as strict in other places. So it was also like, will they listen to us? Will they be okay to sign in? Will they follow walking routes? And that's also like we things we didn't actively predict, like Dream Teamos would be overwhelmed by like 50 students just waiting in the staircase to each be told the instructions of following the walking route that we did kind of think might happen, but we really had no way to know how it would look until it actually started happening. Nicole, I have a question for you. How did the students react in with these processes? So the people who actually came to use the design lab, because the way I remember negligence might not be the right word, but at least I remember there were a couple of cases where we had a protocol in place. However, it seemed that when the people who came here, that they were completely either misinformed or not informed at all. Was Is that true? Was there something? Did that ever happen? I don't know if it's about misinformed, but I think some people just assumed that they knew the rules, right? Like that you think I'm a meter and a half away from somebody or, yeah, I mean, and I think it's also changing somebody's mindset. Like if you came to Design Lab before, you could move around easily and you could pick up your chair and sit next to your friend and it wasn't a problem. And now all of a sudden you're being told you can't touch that, you can't do that. I mean, it was also difficult from our side to try and even enforce it because, yeah, one, we're not police. Like, you know, we're just, and the, and also from the government that the idea is that it's your own responsibility, right? You as an individual take responsibility for your own health and safety. Yeah, and that's kind of what, you know, we could give you these guidelines because that's what it is, right? It's a guideline. Um, and it's not, you know, necessarily a restriction or an enforcement. It's these are the guidelines. Um, we're telling you that this is what should happen. And this is what we expect to happen of it when you come here. But yeah, expectations fall flat a little, right? So yeah, unfortunately, it was not easy. And um, there was a kind of a mindset that somehow when you're in a classroom, the rules don't apply anymore. That you, yeah, and again, it was like the same with the masks and things, right? Like we didn't have masks, so it just felt like, well, I can also be sitting this close to someone in a restaurant, so what does it matter that I'm sitting this close? And it's also difficult that a lot of students live together and then come to the campus together, and then they're being told when they come into a building, you should be a meter and a half apart, and it's like, well, what does it matter? Because I'm going to be sitting on the couch with them later tonight. So (laughs) I think it's just, yeah, I think it's... Yeah, if we reopen soon or now-ish, that it would be a little bit different, or at least I would assume it's a little bit different, that you would just have this mm-hmm. more sort of like conscious awareness that you have to be further apart from each other. Although, yeah, I don't I don't know if it's about misinformation. I think it was just sort of like you almost felt more of a, a safety when you walk into a classroom, right? That it feels like it can't it can't touch you here. For some reason, it feels like that was the idea, like it can't touch me here. It is a little bit like when you have your covers on your be- in your bed. Yeah. That is like there are monsters outside, but when the moment you get into your bed, everything is good and everything is safe. Yeah, that's kind of how it feels, like how it kind of went. Like once you enter the, these doors, you're, you're protected, so don't worry about it. But no, we have rules for a reason. But also like a lot of other university buildings and classrooms didn't have these rules. And that's also why people felt like they could walk in from anywhere because it just was like, why should I do this here? And it's also like, yeah, people don't always understand as like students what Design Lab is, like if it's just a classroom. 
a lot of people come to Design Lab never having been here because they have a lecture. And then if you're entering every other building the way you'd always and doing what you'd always do, coming here and then suddenly having to follow rules was also a bit... It was hard to convince people that it was necessary because they were like, wouldn't it be everywhere <laughs> if it was necessary? All right, all right. Now, moving on to the second half of the year, where Design Lab has opened its doors, the rules are enforced, but the capacity of the space fluctuates quite heavily, depending on the regulations. Could you please walk us through this time? Well, September is when, yeah, everything opened up, and then I think it's around October, maybe around the time the clocks changed, that it was also the number of people you could have also started changing, and they were having more regular uh, press conferences as well, um, that we went from, what was it, unlimited to uh, 150, and then 100, and then 30, and yeah, so the numbers just kept changing, and that's also when, yeah, the openness sort of also was fluctuating with what we could do, and what was what was supposed to happen and like I said, it's also different for, you know, when you were doing events and when you're doing education, the education was still in a different category um, than just hosting a meeting or anything like that. So, yeah, that's when it all sort of started changing and you really had to, yeah, be more aware, not even more aware because you're already very aware. But <laughs> And we had like fun things where we didn't know if, ideate and conceptualize counted as two separate rooms or one room because there's no wall between them so can we have 60 people in that space of two rooms or can we have 30 including prototype actually so that's like that whole space is it one room and yeah even with like Lonex and stuff with the wall does it actually make it two rooms can we call it that can we have this many people here if it's an, a big room then can you have 60 because otherwise you could have 60 people in the space does it make a difference so, yeah, we had to keep checking on so many things. And nobody has the answer. You just kind of have to take a call on what you believe it to be and hope that it's okay with these kind of things. And the recruitment also got finalized, right? So you have this new batch of Dream Teamers, my batch, available to do shifts and to get into projects. How did that work out? I mean, I guess one thing was already nice that we could give you guys intershifts of some sort. Like, in my mind, that was the project that I was doing to make sure that intershifts were happening. So that itself was nice because then it makes it much easier for you guys to then go into projects because we do generally require that. So we didn't have to change our usual system of intershifts before projects because people could go to Design Lab. It was also nice because we had to stop a lot of physical projects or put them on hold a little bit over the summer and before that because we really didn't know if we could have too many people working in Design Lab, how often they could work, etc., and then how many projects could we do. And we also kind of stayed away from starting physical projects We in that period because we really didn't know what the point would be to start a physical project if we didn't know when they could start working properly. So I think in September we could start offering that more as an option again because you knew that since Design Lab was open enough to have people studying there, you could also start working on projects again. Again, we didn't want too many people in Design Lab working on a physical project. We knew you could only have two people in workshops and we did have restrictions, but 
at least it like allowed for options again. It felt a lot nicer, <laughs> a little more hopeful that if you needed the space and if you wanted to do something, you had that freedom again, which we lost for a long time. It seems as if you were trying to find the boundaries or even push a little bit the boundaries of what is possible for Design Lab at that time. And that came with the responsibility. I mean, design, yeah, design love like caters to so many people, right? Like it's education, but it's also people's like home space where they work. A lot of people do all their work in design love, like Jasper and many other dream demos, including me actually, till just about before when we shut down in March, like I used to spend full days here. So this became my working space, you know? So it's hard to prioritize on what is more important or not but it's just like it's also an interesting space because of that because you're catering to so many different people who all have it as a priority but at so many different levels so it's hard to give everyone what they want while also making sure you're staying safe and following regulations and all of that so that was really like the difficulty even with this is like you want to let people do these things because that's what the space is there for and it's always been there for that and how do you let everyone have a little bit <laughs> so they still feel like this is not completely been taken away from them without letting anyone take over completely or some people not have anything at all and that actually created quite a bit of bureaucracy in your work I am not envious of the kind of paperwork you had to go through. <laughs> we all admire your uh, patience with this. Um, Definitely more Nicole than me. No. <laughs> I, was, I, I was talking to the entire task force because I, I could only Still see... mostly Nicole. <laughs> Nicole is a, is a hero of uh, keeping the space uh, open and safe. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, if anything, I thought everyone would be annoyed that I kept on having to say, can you please just put it at a meter and a half? And as long as the furniture stays there and as long as everyone stays seated, then we're fine. But it doesn't work like that. <laughs> it is, though, one could say a very courageous thing to be the person that will take this very unglamorous <laughs> position of telling people off when they break the rules. Uh, since this is the only way to keep everybody safe and at the same time keep the space open to the maximum possible openness that it can have. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so the, there is this kind of numbers game that is being played throughout autumn that we are trying to keep it open as much as possible. There is all of this education happening because I, I do remember at least the bio-robotics um, classes and quite a few others were taking place in Design Lab and people were making um, their own robots in Design Lab, uh, which actually gave inspiration for new projects after the next uh, lockdown came in place in December where we created cards so people don't have to access the workshops and they can take their cart and work outside of the workshop in order to keep the distance. And this is one thing that was really interesting to me in Design Lab, that this kind of rapid, we have this kind of rapid prototyping, but we, we did the rapid prototyping a little bit with the pandemic as well, like as a space. Um, and also with the, web, uh, with the web room that is now operational, all of these things came together in order to digitalize the space. And that happened around 
December time. When this next lockdown came in and Design Lab went full speed into digitalization, how did that make you feel? Did Was it as shocking as the first one? Well, I think it was no surprise in December when we went into a second lockdown. I think it was sort of like, ugh, oh no. <laughs> like, just sort of an oh no. Like I feel like it almost felt like, you know, if everyone would be doing what they're supposed to be doing, then we wouldn't have to go down into this lockdown. But obviously, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It was just sort of a feeling of defeat, right? That personally, like we had gone through so much to try to keep everything open, at least in, you know, our own little like a uh, macro or micro sort of way for the design lab. And then just hearing that news again, that we were closed, like everything was closing, you know, everything was shutting down. And at this point, actually, in December, when we went for the second lockdown, all the restaurants were already closed because I think they had already closed halfway through November, right? Yeah, that that was so early and they've been shut for so long. And you just think like, oh, oh, no, like it's happening all over again. But at the same time, you kind of felt like, okay, maybe it's only for a few weeks. <laughs> maybe it's only for a little bit that, you know, it'll be a Christmas break And we already have, you know, a few weeks before, a few weeks after, and the numbers will go down. But yeah, I think then everyone was just sort of like, all right, well, we, we got this. We've been working from home already. We kind of know what it's like. It's not fun. And we kind of just have to pull through again. And now it's April and it's still a lockdown, still working from home. But <laughs> yeah. It was disappointing because we'd worked so much for it, but it was also like less stressful. Like it didn't really ruin our Christmas break per se, because it was like, eh, we'll get back to this. <laughs> this is going to keep happening. <laughs> and like the only thing was the online shifts that Miriam pitched, but then we didn't really get a chance to fully start it off before anyway. And no one was in like a really big hurry because we were like, the students also don't want to start working the second they get back from their Christmas break online even. Like it's just not going to happen let everyone get used to the situation and then we'll work on it. But the only thing, I guess, is we also weren't sure if it was going to be for a few weeks and then it would be all this planning and then we'd return back to Design Lab. But then it was just like, oh, it's fine. We'd have this like backup plan where other people, we could have more people working since we only have two shifts right now in person and you can have people doing stuff online just as a way to make sure we can pay and engage as many dream teamers as possible because it's been so difficult to do that. The online shifts were such a nice surprise when you came back from Christmas. It was actually better than a Christmas present, even though at Christmas we actually had the social event, which was great. Um, I heard so many good things about Design Lab events from all of the veterans, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, we had no real events until the, uh, how do you call it? Sinterklaas. Heidegg. Uh, Sinterklaas? Sinterklaas, Heidegg. Sinterklaas. Yeah, yeah, the Sinterklaas, okay. Heidegg is not a social event. Yeah, my Come bad. on, it's my a very bad. social event. We were around with people, we gave gifts to each other, we learned little tidbits about each other, and it was a very important bonding moment in order for us to be able to work with each other online and have this kind of connection and energy while not really seeing each other. And so how is Design Lab running these days in April 2021? Well, I, th I think it's nice that people are getting involved in things like the podcast again, and there are other projects that people are doing, and I know a lot more Dream Demos are active, which is nice. 
uh, and that just makes me happy because we really had a time there where I didn't see anybody, I didn't know who was around, I didn't know anything. And now even like with the Dream Demos from your batch or generation, like I know a lot of you much better, which is really nice to have, still have some kind of community feeling <laughs> with the whole thing, with the online shifts, especially when you do like group online shifts. That's pretty fun. And now for the point in the future that we don't know when it's going to be. But for that point in the future, when Design Lab opens again, we have a welcoming message from our managing director, Miriam Iliohan. Thank you, Nefeli, for that uh, introduction. And thank you all for being so patient. The Design Lab social distancing team has been working so hard with its members from staff and students to create the safe environment to come back to. It's uh, taken some time and we can't wait to welcome you all back. We know it's not been easy for a lot of you and especially for those whose lives have been changed in this challenging time. We are so anticipating on reopening those doors so we can help you co-create the future we want to live in. And now as closing remarks, is there anything that you would like to talk about but we didn't mention yet? I think that we just really appreciate all the effort of the dream team as well. I mean, we're talking about what the social distancing team did, but yeah, they basically were the, then the front line in the design lab. So I think it was really great that, yeah, so many dream teamers then, yeah, kind of also were willing to partake in this as well, right? That they were willing to be at the desk and still help people and still want to do the maker's night and still want to host events and still want to do things. Because, yeah, you can also imagine from the other side that you say, nope, no thanks. I'll stay in my apartment for a year and uh, let me know when uh, everything is open again. So I think it was also really great that, yeah, despite everything that the dream teamers still came together and we were still able to do these things that we wanted to do after all of this planning that we still needed, you know, the community there. So it's, it's good that everyone still came out. And that they still felt like ownership. Like that's like the nicest thing. Like even you were talking about like the dual cards and stuff. Like this all happens in Design Lab because everyone feels so much ownership of like we want to get this open because it's our space even if the social distancing task force, like we were doing this work because we were being like middlemen in communication of what was coming from the university. We need to have some kind of basis to work within, but everyone else took it upon themselves to make that actually work in Design Lab and make it work for themselves and everyone who was there at that time, because that's like the really difficult part. And let me add here how proud it feels to be part of Design Lab, getting out of this crisis with a few aces upon our sleeves on how to work in a very dynamic and unforeseen environment. And at the same time, coming out of it more than before, because the digital component that now exists when everything opens will enhance the physical component that we had before. Thank you very much for being here with us and for having this conversation. And for our listeners, see you in the next episode, How to Build for Collaboration, the student-led design of Connect and Playrooms in Design Lab.